Hello and welcome. It is Numbers on the Boards. I'm Bobby Corella. Joining me as always is the great, the man with that needs no introduction, so I won't give him one, but he's great, just know it. He's Jeff Skinway. Hey, well, <laughs> that kind of was an introduction, kind of wasn't. It's hard when you start going down that path to figure out where to go next. I think you handled it with the plum. It's kind of like breaking the fourth wall if I talk about making an introduction. Mm-hmm. Because that is kind of the introduction, you yeah. know, like I don't need to give you an introduction, but by saying that that's me introducing you. It's very meta. Yeah. As they like it's to super say. meta. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the world of podcasting where we always talk about people that are listening. Uh, so skin, yes. we got a, we got a pretty cool show today. Uh, we're going to talk about first, obviously there's this guy, Luka Doncic. Mm. He plays for the Mavs. Uh, we're going to talk about him through the eyes of his teammates. Luca is in town. He's been playing some pickup ball. And uh, his teammates, they feel a certain way. They don't feel bad about it. They feel great about it. So we're going to talk about some of the things that Harrison and, uh, and Dirk have said about Luca, and then get into that a little bit. And then also uh, this past weekend was Dirk's tennis tournament, Pro Celebrity Tennis Classic. And uh, you were there. You were on the scene and behind the scenes. Mm. You were the scene. I'm uh, the scene, baby. I saw some of those videos from Saturday night. It got litty. It did. We'll, uh, we'll tell some stories from that, but I think some of the stories will tie into what you just teased about what Dirk and Harrison had to say. So cool. Yeah, a lot of good uh, interwoven uh, ideas here about how the Mavericks are going to look in this upcoming season. Very cool. Very cool. I'm excited about that. And also, we're going to talk about some of my favorite former Mavericks who were in that tournament, particularly a guy named Monte Ellis. So, <laughs> can't wait to get there. Uh, but first, we got, some, uh, we got some big news for you guys. So, we're recording this on Tuesday. This might come out Tuesday. It might come out Wednesday. I have no idea. But by now, you have already heard uh, Mike Marshall. He's our new teammate. You've already heard his podcast. It's the four-pointer. It is Mike Marshall and Jake Kemp. Uh, that is going to be a podcast coming to you every Monday during basketball season. Numbers on the boards will eventually come to you every Wednesday mm. during basketball season. But, Skin, there's a day between Monday and Wednesday. Is, they, is there really? There is. There is a whole day in there, and it's Super called, Tuesday. Yeah, it is, uh, it is Tuesday, and we want to bring you here at Mavs.com, we want to bring you a Mavs podcast one day a week. So that is Monday, that's Tuesday, that's Wednesday, that's Thursday, that's Friday. We got the That's What's Up podcast. That's with Sean Marion and our guy Danny B. Uh, we have some other ones that are going to periodically be coming your way, including one that's going to be run by a Mavs coach. So we're very excited about that. We'll give you more info on that later. Uh, but also... And this is the this is the big reveal here. Uh, this person's mic has been on mute the whole time, and uh, this person's been a good sport by not making any noise. Not anymore. But not anymore, <laughs> evidently. Uh, there's going to be a show on Tuesday, and I will let Lizelle talk about that. Uh, Lizelle and Katia Vialba? Sure. Yes. Vialba? Uh, they're going to be doing a podcast, and Lizelle, if you want to go ahead and kind of kind of talk about your program. Yeah, so on Tuesdays, hashtag turn up Tuesdays with Liz and Kat, we have a podcast that we're rolling out. It's called Just Between Us Girls. It's going to be an all-female NBA podcast where Katya, who is in the broadcast truck for Fox Sports Southwest, and myself, who's on the sidelines for social, we're going to talk about what it's like being on the road, what we get to see from our point of view, mixed in with a little pop culture and sneakers, because we love sneakers. We'll have guests from the NBA and from the Mavs organization that'll pop in every now and then. We'll get their hot takes, what they like, what they see in their point of view of their job. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of high energy, us talking about a lot of culture and NBA and sports. And sports. <laughs> and sports and Mostly stuff. basketball, though, probably. Yes. Right? Lots of Mavs and lots of NBA. And, and let me throw this fun. out there because uh, a lot of people listening probably don't know the people that work in production, but you yeah. go, Katia Vialba. What? That name. Mm, well, her dad, uh, Spanish play-by-play for the Dallas Mavericks for Victor a Vialba. long, long time. Yes. And if you want a little bit of insight of what airplane life is like, our buddy Mark Followell has sat next to uh, Victor for years and years yes. and years, which is, I think, one of the reasons why Followell Spanish has gotten oh better my gosh, so good. over all these years. So yeah. that's why you probably at least recognize Katia's name. She's uh, been, her family's been Maverick people for a long time, yeah. and she's 
coming up in the ranks as well. Oh, yeah. Very talented. I'm excited so. for her. She gets to travel. She's going to be in the truck now full time. So, yeah, so what does I'm that so mean, pumped the truck? for what, her. What is that? Can you explain? So there's a crew for Fox that travels in a truck. Well, they travel with a team and then there's a truck on site for every game. And they're just like screens on screens on screens. They queue in all the sponsors, graphics, any ins and outs, ins and out to you skin from mm-hmm. the broadcast. So that just happens all behind the scenes. It's super quick, super fast. I haven't gotten a chance to go in the truck yet, but I've been in the replay room for the jumbotron in the arena and that's just like lots of things going on it's really cool to see and she's just out there working it like yeah like cue this stat cue mm-hmm. this three-pointer stat do so this all the graphics up. coming in and out of time yes. that's what you're going to be talking about on the air that katya is the one that's oh yeah all those up yeah. and it's not just uh in-game stuff there's a lot of prep work obviously that oh, goes yeah. into it once the game starts it gets really frenetic in there mm-hmm. uh you know you have a producer that kind of outlines the whole broadcast and then a director our director's clay armstrong that makes these decisions which camera we're going to and all this stuff and then a group of producers and graphic people that all and and it's not just hey you do that they all bring ideas to the table in fact uh our producer dave keeney Mm -hmm. uh before he did that used to be in a similar role to katia so it's like they all contribute to the broadcast and in really great ways so if you're ever watching a game and you hear the the broadcaster say the guy's in the truck they're talking about people that really make you look yes. good <laughs> it's it's and very now important. guys and gals in yes. the truck yeah. yeah so uh katia will be on the road you're also going to be on the road so yes. you guys are going to be doing this all around the country yeah road dogs we're so excited we're so excited we're like already planning out which road trips we're going to be like all right we're going to this sneaker store oh we're checking out this on the road oh we can't wait for this we need to pack a jacket for this road trip like, wait a minute you know what lots this of planning like. <laughs> this sounds like this podcast could also have some great video elements that need to oh, be posted yeah. at maps.com oh. Absolutely. We've got the selfies and videos on deck. They're coming. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be great. Uh, so you guys are coming out with your first episode. Well, Katya's coming in today. Yes. You're going to record a little bit, but yeah. your first episode is coming out when? Next week? Yeah, probably next week. We're going to work on it today, and then we're going to also be at Media Day this Thursday, so we want to do a segment for Media Day, what we got to see, who we got to talk to, and hopefully we'll get a few blurbs from players on Media Day that we get to use on our first podcast, so stay tuned. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of an idiot, by the way. We talked about Katya being in the truck. I th- I'm assuming everybody that listens to this knows Lizelle and, and what Lizelle does, but Lizelle, you're the social media. Yes, social media coordinator basically. for the Mavs. I've been with the team for five seasons, about to enter my sixth season. So, been there for 2013 14 all the way until now. Also, was there in 06 by heart. You know, that was a tough, <laughs> tough year. Been a Mavs fan my that. whole life. Yeah. Yep. But yeah. It's and this been a lot is probably your third appearance on Numbers on the Board. Yeah. Just second, but it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Only the se- wow. There was who's one who's where she second? was there in concept. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I was there in concept. Yes. And then I made that faithful tweet, which, by the way, my friends have texted me and they're like, Skin retweeted Lizelle. Oh my gosh. I'm just like, oh wow. I didn't realize how famous you are. Yeah, just with friends. your friends. No. It's, a, it's a very select group. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty soon Skin's friends are going to be jealous that he's friends with Lizelle. Oh, they already are. Oh, they already are. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. Oh, wowzy. Okay, so be looking out for that. That yes. is going to be what, Tuesday? Tuesdays. Turn up Tuesdays, Bob. Turn up Tuesdays during the basketball <laughs> season. Yeah. yeah. I'm in. Lizelle, thank you for joining us yes yeah. like res- like subscribe rate and review us <laughs> yep well there you go you already got that you already got yes that. you're a pro okay, already bye. all right see ya that was lizelle laurent she well she's still here she hasn't gone and she's just still sitting there but uh but yeah skin i'm excited man P- I, i've heard that podcasts are the future so i as the kind of the person as your teammate as we've blazed this trail from mavs.com it's really cool to see our legacy carried over to so many other different podcasts. It, they couldn't have done it without us, buddy. Man, you and I invented the podcast. We did. And now it's just infiltrating all throughout it's the world. It's becoming big, man. God, it's becoming we really big. wish we had trademarked that. Yeah, wow, I, it's, it was a, would have been a good idea. Uh, okay, last bit of housekeeping before we can get on to the goods. Um, earlier this week, we recorded a, a, speaking of podcasts, we recorded a That's What's Up podcast with Sean Marion. Mm-hmm. He came in the office and he had some really, really cool stories about uh, the 2011 championship season, uh, and also getting to play with Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Grant Hill, who who recently went to the Hall of Fame. So definitely check that out. That is going to be on Mavs.com. And then later this week, actually, uh, tomorrow, so that's going to be Wednesday, mm. uh, you and I are going to have the same guest on different programs. So Ian Thompson, yes. uh, author Ian Thompson, who just wrote the book, uh, The Soul of Basketball, the epic showdown between LeBron, Kobe, Doc, and Dirk that saved the NBA. 
He will be calling in to the Ben and Skin show yes. at, I believe, 620. 620 Central Standard Time. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. So tune in. It's a that. great book. And I saw you tweeting about it, and I was happy that you did. It's, yeah. a, it's an excellent book. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And then later that night, he is going to be coming on. Uh, Mike uh, and I are going to get to interview him for a little bit, too, after after he goes on with you. So Outstanding. Yeah, let's compare notes, make sure you know we, we ask him the exact same, same questions. questions. Yeah. And then test his answers later. Yeah, yeah. Let's see if he can say the same thing. So, he wrote his answers. Yeah, so that's going to be coming up. Up. And then Friday is Mavs Media Day. Uh, we'll have a live stream on Mavs.com going all day long. That's going to be with uh, Followell and Coop. So watch out for details of that. Sweet. Yeah. So, Skin. Yeah. There's this guy, Dirk. Oh. He's pretty good at basketball. Ah, the, the big German. There's this guy, Luka Doncic, mm-hmm. who is probably going to be pretty good at basketball. We mm-hmm. don't know. We haven't seen him. We have mm-hmm. to wait approximately uh, 10, 11 more days until we finally get to see him in action. Dirk was recently, speaking of the Ben and Skin show, he was on with you guys. And uh, he had some really, really cool things to say about Lucas. So let's go ahead and uh, and toss it over to the big German. Yeah, I really like what I'm seeing. I mean, he is uh, incredible with the ball for a big guy. I mean, he's a legit 6'8", 6'9". He handles the ball. Uh, he even, like, uh, when somebody scores, he runs back, uh, gets the ball, and literally brings the ball up like a point guard. He's un- unbelievable in, uh, in pick-and-roll play. Uh, someone, he did, like, over-the-head between-the-leg passes to cutters. Uh, so I think the, the savviness that he brings, the, uh, the court division is, is already unbelievable. Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe what I saw for a 19, 20 year old, uh, unbelievable. He's a, he's a good shooter, uh, when he has time. And, uh, I think he's, he's going to be great for us for, uh, for a long, long time. So, um, obviously I don't want to, you know, put too much pressure on him either, you know, uh, Coming over from a different country, I went through the same thing about 20 years ago. You know, it's, uh, it's tough uh, to adjust to a lot of things, to living uh, in a different country, a lot of, lot of culture, to, to a different game, uh, different coaching, different play style. So for me, that took a full year. You know, my first year was really, really tough. So uh, uh, we're going to help everything. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to help this kid uh, develop and uh, have fun and learn. And uh, so we can see the best Luca here, uh, hopefully in a year, a couple more years. But he is, like I said, an incredible talent. His, uh, his court vision and passing for his size at his age is, is something that I've, I've never seen in my 20 years. Okay, Skin, so clearly he thinks Luke is going to be a bust. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite is true. Yeah, yeah. No, he had some awesome things to say. So just, I mean, when you have a guy like Dirk, who's been around forever, has played with some really, and against some really, really, really good players, mm-hmm. for him to say in his court vision and passing for his size at his age is something I've never seen in my 20 years. Yeah. Like, that is... That is some pretty high praise. That's incredibly high uh, praise because he's played with Jason Kidd and Steve Nash and Hall of Fame guys. He's played against LeBron yeah. and KD, like some really, really good players. And I think, I think really, I think there's probably a degree of hyperbole here, only saying from the standpoint of when you come and you play pickup basketball with somebody and they way exceed your expectations. So when they're playing with Luka, like let me, let me just boil it down to our listeners who play pickup basketball. You know, if you're like me – uh, when I used to play, let's say I'm in my mid-30s and the high school kids come walking in, you go, oh, God, these guys are going to shoot every time. They're not. So then you transpose that to the superstar level, and it's like, okay, here comes a rookie. He's going to pound the ball into the ground and then take a contested shot. So when they play with a guy who's 19 and they think they're playing with a 19-year-old and he plays like a 30-year-old, it's mind-blowing. So – I don't think that right now Luca has better vision and skills than Jason Kidd. However, I think he's probably already blown the doors off of the expectations of what they were going to see. And I think one of the things that's happening right now as these guys, both you know guys that played for the Mavericks and then also guys that play for other NBA teams that live here in Dallas that are involved in these pickup games, I think what they're seeing is – wow, this guy needs to have the ball in his hands quite a bit because if you are open, he will find you. Or the next step, he'll lead you to where you need to be to get an easy bucket, which was Jason Kidd's probably greatest skill. Yeah, and these are things that NBA players are not used to seeing from rookies simply because in college, even if you're a point guard, even Dennis last year, who I believe led the ACC in assists uh, as a freshman, you come into the NBA, you're not used to playing spread, pick, and roll, Right. You know, four out, five out offense, pl- 
playing with guys who are extremely good and extremely experienced and you know are 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 very kind of comfortable with everything uh on the floor Luca has been doing that in Spain now for three four years playing at the very highest level outside of the NBA right so for a lot of these guys this is their first chance to even see Luca play right because you know Dirk's not watching Real Madrid highlights, you know? Yeah. So they hear all these things about this this boy wonder with, the, you know, the real high basketball IQ, and then they see it in person, and I yes. think they're just like, oh, my God. Yeah, and like, Dirk specifically talking about the flair with which the passes were thrown. Behind the, the head. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is, like, a guy like Dennis gets here, and what is Dennis's greatest attribute? It's his quickness and hops. So Dennis is going to go just naturally, instinctively. He shows up on day one, and I'm going to dribble around this guy, or I'm going to jump over this guy. Luca's greatest attribute is his knowledge of the game, his instincts, and his vision. So how am I going to beat my guy? I'm going to whiz a pass by his ear. Guys respond to those two things differently. You know, they're impressed by what Dennis does physically, and wow, God, wouldn't it be great to do that? But there is a special vibe of playing you know I'm, this is ridiculously high praise to go Jason Kidd Magic Johnson all these things Magic Johnson showed up in the NBA uh, as I think he was 19 years old maybe he was 20 something like that uh, and immediately took the Lakers to a championship and everyone touched the ball and he changed the fortune like from the day he walked in the door so there's just like certain guys that just have it and everyone wants to play with that because everyone eats everybody eats and I think my perception of this based on uh, conversations Friday night at Dirk's charity event is nobody realizes it more than Dennis Dennis has played with Luca quite a bit now in pickup games is like man I'm gonna eat with this guy yeah he sees it he absolutely sees it yeah and I think those are all the worries that you hear like well there's two guys there's only one ball but once you see what Luca can do and you see like okay if I'm Dennis and I know I can beat my man, if Luca's going to get my guy off balance by doing some stuff 30 feet away from me, the ball right. moves faster than my man. Right. So I'm going to catch the ball against an off-balance guy, and right. I'm going to be able to go throw down on anybody. And not only an off-balance guy, the help defense behind him is having to recalibrate. Yep. Um, and, and seven-footers cannot move faster than Dennis. So no, like, no, no. he'll beat help defense every time. And, he'll, and I think the byproduct of this is I think Dennis's free throw numbers will go up yeah. uh, because he'll be fouled at the rim quite a bit. Um, I, I, I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or not, but uh, when I think it came out about February or March, the Mina Kimes piece in ESPN, the magazine where she had yeah. gone. And so the thing that really stuck out to me was how effusive Dragic was in his praise, talking about when he went with the Slovenian team to Eurobasket, he had heard all this and was like, how's this going to work? I'm the guy with the ball and said, I played with him for five minutes and realized, oh, this is a thing of beauty. And that's the exact same thing. It's like you can have this preconceived notion. Oh, boy, wonder, huh? Okay, he has the ball. No, 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 no. This is my team. And then you play with him for five minutes and go, man, how great is this? Yep. And that's what the overall theme coming out of these impromptu pickup games that have been going on, everybody is saying universally. And I think one of the things that will really kind of – you know, peak peak uh, people's interest and go, wait a minute, what's happening here? What's he talking about? Is the terminology with which the Mavericks will be talking to media and fans about positions. I think that's where people are going to be going, wait a minute, I don't understand because it's not going to be traditional. And as we move towards quote-unquote positionless basketball, I don't know that people are going to call Luca the point guard, but traditionally speaking – he'll function more of that way, even though Dennis will be listed as your one, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, think of it as like, you know, they're, they're not entirely similar as players, but think of it the way that the Spurs uh, operated whenever they had Manu. Mm-hmm. Like, Manu had the ball in his hands a lot, sometimes right. more than Tony Parker, sometimes right. less. When they were on the floor at the same time, the ball was constantly moving. Like yeah. every, Whenever you have a guy that can pass the ball as well as Luca reportedly can, as well as Chris Paul, Magic Johnson, like some of the re- – Jason Kidd. Was Jason Kidd the point guard on that team or was Jason Terry? You know, like right. you have different roles. There's passing guy, there's attacking guy, there's scoring guy. Like everybody's different no matter how tall you are, how small you are, whatever. It's about what you can do. That's what Rick Carlisle has always said. What yeah. can you do? And if Luka can pass, the ball will be in his hands. Absolutely. If he can make plays for other people. Because everybody will thrive off of that. It yeah. makes sense. There and will be no jealousy here. Yeah, and if Dennis can score, the, ball's gonna get, the, ball, the ball is going to find everybody. That's the good thing about the way the Mavs play. Even when 
you know, there's three guys out there that, that need the ball. Guys like Harrison, he needs the ball. Well, he's going to get the ball. Everyone's going to get the ball. Everyone's going to get the it's ball. It's going to be amazing. It's just there, there's yeah, there's obviously there's an adjustment period because it's different. Yeah, it might not look great on opening night. For no, example. I mean, and it, I, I really think the guy who's got to go through the biggest adjustment is Harrison. He has has had his role changed every year for I think five years. Yeah, if you look <laughs> yeah. going back to Golden State. Yeah, I always tell people this. Uh, it's you, like playing with the new OC in football. Right, dude. Exactly. And I think if you go back and look, you know his rookie year uh, in the playoffs, he averaged I think sixteen a game, and it was mostly like iso ball mm -hmm. you know and then golden state changes their whole philosophy and then they add more people and then he's in the corner then he comes here and now we're isoing him again and then dennis gets here and now there's another i mean it's been constant flux for this guy yep. and so i think he's the one who has to go through the biggest change yep and so now i think it's his game is going to become almost like an amalgam of what it's been throughout his career so right. he's going to get some iso some hey there's eight seconds left in the shot clock we need a bucket let's give it to you because he can get a bucket one-on-one -on -one. barnes really can he's absolutely prob he's probably the best at that on this team and one of the best in the nba um but he's also going to get a lot of spot-up looks him and wes have got to be pretty happy about the fact that there's going to be dennis luca deandre pick and rolls going on for 20 seconds that, you know uh, i'm glad you mentioned that because we've been talking about this a little bit on the ben and skin show um i don't think that people realize what an impact DeAndre is going to have offensively. Yep. And I think it's going to be like if you, at the time, in 2011, missed the impact that Tyson had on our offense because he didn't get post-touches and these sorts of things. It's just it's a, it's a nuanced effect. Uh, it's, a, you know, the delicate ecosystems of an NBA half-court offense. Everything balances off one another. Yep. And so even if he doesn't – even though he only touches the ball three or four times on lobs – the other times he's not touching the ball, he's pulling guys towards him and open up other guys. You're so warping the defense. Yes, it's very, very, very important. We talk about his rebounding and it's huge and his defense, but his role as an offensive player is going to be massive. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who led the NBA in field goal percentage for six seasons in a row. His streak came to an end last year when he finished a disappointing second place. So What I, a drop-off. Yeah, I know. Uh, he's going to be okay. He's also your all-time field goal percentage in the league by like seven or eight points. It's Is that right? It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Uh, I, th I want to say, and I don't want to be wrong here because this is a, this is a bold claim. I, I tweeted about this. He's at like 67%. Can I guess? Do you have the list of the guys? Uh, yeah. Somewhere on. in there is going to be Artis Gilmore. Okay, that's a good guess because uh, let me tell you why. Although I don't know. He played ABA ball too, so I don't know if they combine or if they have a, uh, you know, a, a, a certain amount of shots that you had to make. But yeah. when I was a kid, Artis Gilmore was always at the top of the list of field goal percentage. Yeah, so he is – oh, my God. Basketball reference is an amazing site, but whenever you need stuff immediately, uh -huh. not so great. Uh, okay, Leaders Index, I'm looking for – You're listening to live coverage of yeah. Bobby <laughs> using a search function on the Internet. Or probably not live. You're listening to a recorded live version of Bobby using a search function. Uh, this is a on a massive database. This is only on the Mavs Podcast Network, which, by the way, we're launching multiple shows this fall. Skin, have I told you about this? Are you vamping right now? Am I what? I feel like you're just stalling. Am I? Oh, this is your version of the F Dean Smith's Four Corners offense, dude. I need to trust myself whenever I c it comes to stats because I was going to say he shot 67 percent from the field, and lo and behold, DeAndre Jordan's career field goal percentage 67 point. Yeah. Okay. In honor of the I number just, of wins the Mavericks got in the 0607 season. And that they're going to win this season. Yeah. Okay, skin. So, DeAndre is 67.3% for his career. Nobody else is above 60. Wow. Okay. How many of the – what do you want to do? Like top five? Yeah, give me the top five. How many – well, no, no, no. I'm going to give it to you. Can you name the players, not in order, but can you name the players in the top five? Your first guess was Artis Gilmore, and you were correct. He's one of them. So, you got three more names. Okay. Uh, if you want any hints, let me know. But well, I, Yeah, I give me a hint for each guy. It okay. can be as obtuse as you need. Okay, so uh, two of the players are still active. Oh, okay. Then um, I would say uh, Drummond and Dwight Howard. No. Dwight Howard is one, yes. Okay. Uh, one of the players is still active, and one of the players – well, okay, both of these guys played um, in two, the early 2000s. One okay. of them retired at the end of the uh, 2010 season, and one of them has been on the Mavericks before. Well, then I would say Shaq. Yes. And then one has been on the Mavericks before. My God, is it Kevin Willis or somebody? No. He's, uh, he's still active. Oh, still active. 
Uh, it's not Tyson, is it? It is. Is that right? Tyson Chandler, 59. I don't point know where my voice did that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just got real excited. 59.6%. Artist okay. second at 59.9%. That's good memory from the 80s. Yeah. So my question for you, Skin, mm-hmm. is there are a lot of records in sports. 67.3% field goal percentage. And obviously that might drop. DeAndre's going to be around for five or six more I years probably. I don't think probably. he'll ever miss a shot again. Yeah, I well, think that's going to go yeah. up, baby. When he plays I mean, with Luca and Dennis, are you kidding yeah, me? It could drop a little bit, but it's not going to drop below like 64 or something. You know, I mean, it can't drop that far because right. he's already made so many shots. That seems like a really hard record to beat. I mean, six, like you got to shoot 65% for your career. So what's more likely, someone to beat the field goal percentage record or someone to drop 100 in a game? Oh, man. See, that's tough. Uh, obviously, I, I think your first instinct is to say 100 because 100 is really hard. But, dude, 67%. People are shooting threes. Like, if you shoot threes at 40%, you're going to the Hall of Fame. But 40% uh-huh. is not going to get you to 67% field goal, you know? Right. So, I don't know. And as we have stretch bigs, that's going to ruin their field goal percentage. Yeah. That's what you're suggesting. Yeah, because the thing about, you know, Tyson and DeAndre and Dwight Howard is they've taken a combined, like, 10 threes. Andre Drummond is at 54.5%. Carl Towns is actually at 54.3, which is amazing because he takes a ton of threes. He sure does. That guy is He's probably, a scoring machine. He's probably pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, DeAndre, book it. Uh, he's going to be your all-time field goal percentage leader forever. How, how great is that? Yeah, forever. So, uh, that list, we got two of the top five. Yeah, yeah. Two of the t- That's not too bad. That's not too that's bad. That's really good. Yeah. Um, okay, skin. Yes. Uh Dirk's tennis thing. You you mentioned it earlier. You mentioned that uh, you heard some stories on Friday. You were talking to some people or whatever. Heard some heard some uh, impressions of Luca. Yeah. So I'm just curious to hear more about that. Things that you may have heard about Luca, but then also just in general, you get that many high powered basketball players, tennis players, everything into one room. There's got to be some pretty good stories from that event. This is the uh, 2018 Dirk Nowitzki Pro Celebrity Tennis Classic. That we're yeah. Talking the about. thing the you know the the event itself is great. And, you know, the person, I mean, obviously we're all there for Dirk, but the person to me that makes it really fun on Saturday is Andy Roddick because he's so into it. He's so into it. And he's also got, I think, a phenomenal sense of humor. He's very self-deprecating, uh, you know, and he was actually MVP of Dirk's baseball game two years ago, I believe, yep. and then got the MVP trophy and then got in his car you know, there was a Snoop Dogg uh, concert afterwards for folks involved in the event. Instead of going to that, he drove back to Austin as fast as he could because he had kid duty the next morning as his wife, Brooklyn Decker, had some sort of thing she had to do. No time to celebrate his MVP trophy. Nope. He's got he's he's, to get back to business. He's just a dad. Yeah. He's just a dad that happened to be an incredible tennis player back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and he's a really, really likable guy. And he does look like Stifler from the American Pie movies. Uh, <laughs> he so he's a, he's a great dude. He makes it fun. But the Saturday uh, night, the Saturday day event is great. Friday night, there's a charity dinner. And uh, they have me and Ben host those events. And this year, uh, it's, it's at this thing at the Jewel Hotel. And this year, the musical guest was Robin Thicke, okay? And so, uh, you know, you obviously know his big hits. Yeah. Well, the weird thing that happened this year, and this is a room with about, I'm guessing, 150 people in it, maybe. Somehow you got a table right at the front. They put it here. Here's why. They put me and Ben at the front because we have MC duties. Oh, okay. so, so as we go and back and stuff. forth, for, gotcha. right? Because I was going to be like, man, skin is the viest of IPs. No, no, no. To put it in perspective, Dirk and Carlisle and Jessica, they all sit in the very middle. So oh, okay. that's the that's the choice place to gotcha, be. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so anyways, and then there's a live auction, and usually Carlisle offers up something special to auction, and, and, and we raise a lot of money, and it's a really good deal. And then there's a musical act. Mm-hmm. Well, this year is Robin Thicke. So we're sitting there, and the table has these really cool, I don't know if it's LED or what this, the technology is, but they're about three feet high coming off the table, these little arches that are like laser arches. So they're going all the way back. In fact, if you're on Instagram, uh, Danny posted an amazing picture of Laura Beth who – she is a, is a huge uh, event organizer. She's legendary. She and is like the goat. She's the goat. She does Dirk's Hero stuff. She does the tennis stuff. She's the one who did Jerry Jones's Hall of Fame party that Justin Timberlake performed at. Oh, I didn't even know that he performed at that. Okay, well, here's wow. – so no offense to the local media. They got it wrong. Yep. The local media said – Jerry Jones called Justin Timberlake and asked him to do it, and Justin couldn't say no. That's a great story. 
the real story is that when Laura Beth was coming up, she was the tour manager for NSYNC. Really? Are so you So she knew Justin Timberlake when he was a teenager. Wow. So that's the real story. Yeah. But she knows everybody. Yeah. And everybody loves her. And, you know, I'm sure she's a behind-the-scenes person, so you've never seen her. She's almost like this Reese Weatherspoon character. She's uh, a lovely human, and she is grace under fire. I mean, there are so many egos involved. I'm not saying that in a negative way. You know, famous people are used to getting their way, and there's so many egos involved, and there's chaos, and there's a schedule, and I've never seen her just have one drop of sweat. She's just crazy. She's an amazing person. Dude, trying to, and this is no slight to anybody, but, like, trying to book a guest for a podcast or a radio show, like, one person is, like, enough to make your hair fall out. Oh, Imagine yeah. trying to organize a celebrity baseball game with 50 people. And you don't know who's going to show. During their off-season. Yeah. <laughs> and I should also mention Charlie McKinney with Heroes is great, too. But yeah. he'll, he'll vouch for, for Laura, hey, Laura Beth is in charge, and she's making this awesome. So, uh, so she got Robin Thicke to perform at this thing. So there, he does this, like, little six or seven song set. It's great. There's a couple covers. And it's in a small room, so it's not a live band. There's pre-recorded music, but he's playing piano on top of it and singing. His voice sounded great, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm on the front row, and so I look over, and there is a what appears to be an eight- or nine-year-old kid <laughs> sitting in a chair. And, dude, he is singing with his heart. Like, it's the most adorable thing you've ever seen. He knows every word, and obviously, okay, that's Robin Thicke's son. And so we're wa- <laughs> I'm looking at this, and it's this really funny, adorable thing. Well, then... He's doing blurred lines. So I'm assuming this is the finale. And my wife point, you know, pokes me on the shoulder and goes, that's Machine Gun Kelly. Now, keep in mind, earlier in the day, Eminem had just released Kill Shot, the yeah. Machine Gun Kelly diss. And I look over and standing about 20 feet away from me with Rick Carlisle. And to his right is a guy named Steele Lafferty, who is a uh, played in the event. And he's like, I'm looking at him. I'm guessing he's early 20s. He is a wakeboard champion. Okay. <laughs> I remember so you that can guy. kind yeah. of in, in, imagine what that world is like from Orlando, Florida, I believe. So Machine Gun Kelly is standing with Steele Lafferty and Rick Carlisle. I mean, just peas in a pod, right? right? Yep. Yep. And I look over there and I go, that's not Machine Gun Kelly. Why would Machine Gun Kelly be here? And I turn back, and I look at Robin Thicke, and then my wife hits my shoulder again. I turn, and she shoves a phone in my face with a picture of Machine Gun Kelly. He's like, <laughs> yep, that's Machine Gun Kelly. And so I'm looking at him, and he happens to look over at me, and I do some sort of like, hey, what's up? And he throws the sign at me, and like his head cocks back. And I'm like, well, that's got to be him. How else, you know, how else will that person respond? Yeah. So then I look up, and at that moment, Robin Thicke is walking up, and so Ben's sitting in front of me, and he high-fives Ben. And then he walks a few steps, and while he's singing, he hugs Machine Gun Kelly, and then he goes back, and there's people dancing everywhere, and it's this just real surreal party moment. Yeah. And so uh, then the, the show ends, good night, everybody, and everyone's kind of milling about, and then Ben goes, we got to go talk to Machine Gun Kelly, right? And I was like, sure, I guess. Yeah. We go out into the lobby area, and he is, we see him kind of running off, and he's running with this guy who's actually named Eddie Murphy that does security and works at the Eddie AC. Murphy was at this thing, the too? The great Eddie Murphy, yeah. but not the comedian. Okay. And so, uh, and they're getting ready to walk off. So you, you, that's a really weird deal where, like, uh, you, you see him walking away, you want to get his attention. So I think, I think we said, Machine Gun. Like, I don't even know what we said. <laughs> To get, you know, to get him to turn around. And so, you know, Ben kind of starts and is like, he, Ben has a funny line. He goes, hey, we used to be rappers, so this is what you're going to look like when you're 50. Yeah. And then he said something like, I'm okay with that. And so, dude, Killshot just came out, yeah. and it's this big internet, internet thing. So we're like, so what would you think of the diss track? And he goes, it's all right, man. He goes, but I killed him, man. I bloodied the God. I bloodied that he's like <laughs> so hyped up, still thinks he won this battle or whatever. And I'm just standing there going, what a weird night this is. Yeah. This is like this. It's not even uh, it's not even real. If you had told me, I mean, I was excited that Robin Thicke was going to be there. Right? If you go, hey, in the middle of that, you're going to look up and kind of the middle of rap's uh, beef world will be standing there with Rick Carlisle. And then the next day, Rick uh, comes to the event with his daughter. And I was like, do you realize it was standing in front of you? Yeah, I had no idea. I knew he was friends with Steel, but I, don't, I was like, yeah, you're in the middle of a rap feud there, coach. So was he – but he didn't perform. No, he was just there. He, so I think what he did was he was there to see Steel, and then I think when the event left, they bounced and went somewhere. So he might have just been in town. I think he, was, he said he was – actually, he said he was in town to see a girl. Okay. All right, well, that's yep. cool. Yeah. 
I, he might have been like consulting Rick for some advice. How oh, do yeah. I respond? You know this. You know, just getting some getting some life coaching. How is battle rapping like uh, coming up with a scheme to win a game? But uh, but the other thing that came out of Friday night is. Uh, you know, Dwight was there and Dorian was there and Dennis was there and Devin was there and Ryan was there mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of Dirk's teammates were there to support and kind of what, how we started this whole thing. The effusive universal praise for Luca was from the young guys to the old guys. It was all the same. And, you know, the, the, the guy who stood out to me the most to hear him talk about it was Devin. I've known Devin the longest of any of those guys outside of Dirk. I have enormous respect for how Devin's always gone about his business. If you think about it, he's been a lottery pick. He has started as a rookie. He's been an all-star. He's been a six-man. He's come off the bench. He's been the focal point of a team. He's done everything there is to do in the NBA. Obviously, he hasn't won a ring, but he's competed at the highest levels. And he's also, you know him, he's just a very sensible, uh, wise, uh, pragmatic person. Yeah. And so – He's an old sage. Yes. And so to hear his praise of Luca for the reasons why I'm not going to say the things he said, because he, I don't want to, you know, betray his trust or whatever, but I can tell you that uh, it stayed with me in a very, very positive way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's the stuff that stood out to me the most because he has seen so much. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's, I think if you want to be unbridledly excited about Luca, go ahead. I think it's worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think that the majority of athletes, Dirk is different because if you ask Dirk a question with a mic in his face, he'll tell you exactly what he thinks. Mm-hmm. He's not going to lie. The majority of athletes are going to be very nice to their teammates whenever people ask them a question, like in an interview. So right. on camera, whatever, on the radio, on TV, whatever, on this podcast. Um, but when you talk to them with, with no mics, when you talk to them with no cameras, with yeah. no lights, with no nothing, and they're that giddy about somebody, then they're not they're not lying to you. Like no. they have no reason to lie. There's, they're there's they're going to tell you the the exact truth. There's been plenty of situations where over time, a player has said something to me where I've been like, "Did that guy really mean to say that to me?" You know what I'm talking about when there's not a mic. Yeah. You know, like you mentioned those situations, and that's when you like really get a feel. You know, the other thing too is like, and and I've learned this over time because you talked to inevitably. You can talk to a coach or an assistant coach or a front office person, and they all have different opinions. There's no such thing as a universal opinion. But, man, they almost always think the exact opposite of how players think. Yeah, I do. mean, it they is do. amazing. And yeah. then sometimes you think, well, this player is really smart, and he really knows, you know, and then he'll tell you something. You'll be like, oh, my God, he just sees it through a completely different prism. Mm. And that's because that's that whole thing about being in it. I think if you were to find time where you spoke to Michael Finley – he will illustrate this. Now that he works in a front office, he thinks about things differently. And I know Michael Young has told us the same thing now that he does consulting for the Rangers. Like, man, I see things way differently than I did when I played. And that's just the inevitable change of roles and time and, and the things that you learn. But uh, when you are in a situation like we were Friday night, which is a social gathering and you're just talking and they're saying these things and the things that the players were saying were the same things they've been saying when a mic is in their face, same tone, same everything. So you're getting, you're getting something pretty real and it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And this is kind of the, one of the few cases where generally like media, whatever ESPN, SI, those types of outlets are like, they're ranking Luca in the top 100. They're considering him the favorite for rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. And then you talk to the players and they're like, yeah, I I agree. He's he going to ball out, dude. Yeah, he should. Like, yeah. one of the rare cases where everything lines up because, for example, I don't want to you know pick nits or anything, but in this top 100, if you ask the players to make a top 100, it's going to be way different than if you ask GMs to make a top 100 than oh, yeah. if you ask the media to make a top 100. Right. So like maybe 20 of the names, the same 20 will make both lists or all three right, lists or right. whatever. But for everybody to kind of be on board. Except for some NBA teams at the top of the draft, I guess, considering Luca, this like super stud mega prospect is I, I you know, make the, you feel pretty good. The other thing about this, and this is, you know, where I was situated too. Uh, I just think the thing that was different about this draft is I think in the modern NBA it's so hard to get bigs that fit. And I think there this draft had more of them than the last four or five years. Yep. So I think in a normal draft, like if this was the draft where Markel Fultz went number one, Luca would have gone number one. You know what I'm yep. saying? I think without a doubt, 
he would have gone number one. This draft was different because of the size of the players involved, the athleticism and the skill set. It kind of threw things into a different balance. Yeah, it was strictly based off need, too. I mean, Phoenix needed a big man. Sure. They, they got Tyson you, still, but they needed a, they you needed a young center. You can't not draft the University of Arizona seven-footer that can do all those things. Yeah, that is a fan revolt if ever there was yeah, one. Yeah, honestly, it is. And, uh, you know. and they had – a Slovenian coach as their head coach. They had Luca's coach. Yes. I mean, that was wild. So whenever that happened, I was thinking, okay, like done deal all along, ever since the beginning of, you know, the 2011 season, I knew like Aiden is going to be a son, but then they go out and sign, uh, I think Igor Kokushkov. Yes. Think is his name, you're right? saying it very well. Is that, is that really his yeah, name? Okay. I so. I, this is off the top of my head. Um, every, when they signed him, I was like, there, are they going to take, are they going to do it? Are See, they really going to get Luka one? I mean, I, that would be like a huge upset. The final night of the year here at the AC, we played Phoenix. And we were all, uh, you know, at the end of the night, we're wrapping up the season, and somebody that was tied in told me they're going to take Luka. They That's are, crazy. And that was before they had hired the Slovenian coach. Really? Yes. And I was like, no way, they can't do Well, they do hadn't that. even won the lottery at that point. Uh, probably not, no. They, they yeah, yeah, like yeah, because the there was one, no lottery, but yeah. the odds were that they would have yeah. the number one pick. And I was like – I was like, they can't do that. There's no way they can do that. Their fans will revolt. Yeah. And that person said, well, Sarver, you know, will make sure that they take Aiton, but everybody else wants Luca." Wow. And I was like, wow, I can't believe That's that. That's crazy. I mean, again, this is not no slight against Aiton. That guy's a, a well, freak of nature. he's going to be awesome. He's already – he like every, every single negative about big men always is – they need to get in better shape. Mm-hmm. Eaton's already in shape. He looks he can, like David Robinson, yeah. dude. He really does. He's already got touch. He's already got yeah. moves. He's he's nimble. That guy is going to be pretty he's pretty freaking good, I a think. A lot to contend with. Yeah, but, man, that's crazy. I did not know that. Well, yeah, and, I mean, I like you hear all the time about, like, smoke screens and all this stuff that goes on around the draft. Like, hiring your head coach who formerly head coached the guy that is at the number at the top of everybody's draft board that's mm-hmm. like one heck of a smoke screen you right know? well you know and the other thing too you talk about smoke screens i mean there was also a thought that because divach uh was involved with the kings that of course they'll take a european player that's spectacular and so you want to talk about smoke screens it's like okay if sacramento's desperate uh for luca and we have the number one pick then we can get an asset out of him to flip true if we yep. make him think you know we've hired the slovenian coach blah 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 but then, you know, why would you make the trade knowing that the other team, you know, so it's like yep. all that stuff is fun. But uh, if you have the number one pick, you sit there and you take the guy you want. Yeah, you take the guy you want. And generally, the guy you want will be the same guy that your fans want. And yeah. I think that was Aiton. And he was better for their team. Um, yeah, man, it's going to be crazy. I think in like if things work out with Dennis, if things work out with Luca, we're going to look back at these last two years and be like, what? that was a – franchise transformational period like yes. nothing nothing was the same as drake once said and it all came down to like the last game of the year both times right so the mavs won the last game of the season two mm-hmm. years ago mm-hmm. against memphis moved down in the draft order uh sacramento of course wins the lottery gets the number three pick boston decides to trade down so let's say the mavs lose that game get the number three pick do they trade up to one and, da- and draft folds do they still get dennis like, history changes. Yeah. Let's say last season they beat the Suns on the last game of the year instead of lose. They're no longer in tiebreaker with Atlanta. They just are straight up number three. Well, uh, that would have meant what, – what, what would that have meant? If they No, okay, yeah. If they would have won that game, they would have been fourth, not third. Mm-hmm. The Mavs were third at the real lottery. They lost, so they mm-hmm. moved down. What if the Mavs had stayed at three and one? Then they'd still have their first-round pick next season. So then would they be trying to make the play – like – Everything is changing based on the way the last games of the season worked out, but I think it worked out. They got the guys that they wanted. They're in great Dennis shape. and Luca. They're, they're in very, in great. very, 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 very I feel good like shape. there's no regrets. You get two really, 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 really solid prospects yeah. at nine and five. Right. Three, basically, but nine and five. You turn nine and five into, like, this. into those two players. Yeah. Skin. This it's going to be fun, dude. Season starts. It's all starting. It's going to be fun. It's media day this Friday. Uh, it is uh, preseason next Saturday, September 29th. Beijing Ducks. Beijing Ducks. My squad. The former squad of the great Chinese icon, Chinese basketball icon. There are, I believe, multiple statues of him over there. Really? Yeah. The of great Yow? Stefan Marbury. Oh. Is he, he won, wearing those uh, Starberries? 
I, I hope so. Hey, those were really great shoes. I I really appreciate. I've never heard anybody the, say that except Steph Marbury. Well, no, it was it was the kind of the the principle of it because they were like only like fifteen dollars or something, right? I they were. Yeah, I remember they were very uh, cost efficiently priced. Yeah. Well, and and I appreciate that message because dude, sneakers now are like three hundred and fifty bucks. Outrageous. It's like you got to have a part time job to afford the sneakers. Yeah, it's you ridiculous. Yeah. So I think it's cool, even if the the material isn't as good or the design isn't as cool. Like if you make if you make an affordable shoe, mm-hmm. I think that's great. Right. Especially because I mean, at the time, Marbury was like legitimately one of the best players in the NBA. I thought when Minnesota had Kevin Garnett and Marbury and Gugliotta, they were the next big thing. <laughs> I really thought, man, that team, wow. I mean, they ended up having a good run, just not with those guys. Right. With other people. Right. But uh, they kept KG, of course. That was the right decision. Marbury ended up getting traded for... Jay Kidd. Jay Kidd. But he went to Minnesota... He, was he went Minnesota from Minnesota to Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix and then Phoenix to the Nets. Did he go to Phoenix for Sam Cassell? Or um, how did – Cassell went to Phoenix from Dallas, I think, for Michael Finley. Or maybe uh, no, no, no. So we traded Jason Kidd, Tony Dumas, and Lauren Meyer for Michael Finley, Sam Cassell, and A.C. Green. Okay, wow. And then Cassell went somewhere else. And Cassell, then he ended up in Minnesota. Whenever he ended up in really Minnesota good. with Latrell Sprewell and those guys, but that was many years later. Okay. But Sam Cassell actually played for every single NBA team. All, yeah, I think so. All Simultaneously. He came out of retirement right. when they founded the Bobcats, played right. for them too. Wow. And, you know, he played his college ball with Bob Sura and Charlie Ward. Did you know that? Did he play at 100 colleges? He, no, he only played at one college, but they had three guards. Charlie Ward Bob was – Sura. But Charlie Ward was the Heisman winner, and yeah. Bob Sura and Cassell played off the ball. Was that at Houston? That was at Florida State. Florida State. Okay, yeah, Florida State. Okay. And gotcha. uh, that was a fun college team. Yeah, dude, Bobby Sura always used to give the Mavs fits. He was with Golden State whenever they had, like, Jason Richardson and those guys, right? I like, believe er- early, so. Like in yeah, the early incarnation. And then he ended up going to Houston, I yeah. believe. And then he later became uh, the actor Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, yeah. not a lot of people know that. how yeah. all these things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so before we get out of here, I want to give a couple updates on our overseas Mavs. Well, I guess our international Mavs, because some of them aren't really overseas. They're just kind of, like, in a different part of this country. Uh, so... It is basketball FIBA World Cup qualifying right now. Hmm. So uh, the World Cup will happen next summer, I believe. So you got to qualify ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they got to choose the teams that are going to be in there. And the Mavs are very well represented in this tournament. Of course, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Jordan are in the Team USA player pool. They're not playing in qualifying right now, but they are one of they're two of 35, I think, players. Uh, they're obviously going to whittle that down to 12 or 15 or whatever the case is. So we'll see if they make that roster for next summer. Uh, but in the meantime, our guy, Full Course Meals, Jamil Warney, is playing for the U.S. team. Cool. They're, they're undefeated, so they're almost certainly going to be there. They might have already qualified. Uh, also in the America's region skin is one J.J. Barea. This is why he was not at Dirk's tennis event. He, was, he, was he played the first play, two right? years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, he is killing it for them. He's fifth in uh, scoring in um, the Americas right now. He's at 17.3 points per game. Puerto Rico currently has one of those top three seeds in the group. They're in the same group as the U.S., which is pretty tough. How about that? Yeah, but they are battling it out with uh, Uruguay right now for that third spot. Uh, they play nine games. So far, they're through with eight of them. Or no, actually, no, they play 12 games. Uh, so far, they're through with eight of them. They're five and three. So, J.J. is doing well. Also undefeated in this tournament, the great Salah Mejri in Tunisia. Yes, I've they're, been following that on my Instagram. Yeah, they're killing it in Africa right now. They're 9-0. and oh. Uh, they play 12 games, but they've already qualified, so Tunisia will be there. And also qualified in, in dramatic fashion uh, as Maxi Kleb is Germany. Oh, did you see that lob yeah, pass? that was awesome. Was that Schroeder that, that threw that? That was Schroeder, yeah. yeah. So uh, it is – I forget who they were playing. Um, I think Israel maybe. I, I forget who they I'm were gonna playing. I'm going to say but, yes. Okay, just trust me. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it. no one remembers a loser anyway, man. <laughs> so uh, Germany's down two with .4 seconds left in the game. Uh-huh. Maybe it was Kazakhstan. <laughs> Maybe, you know, it's the greatest country in the world. Yes. Uh, okay, so it's uh, they're down by 2.4 seconds left. What do you do if you're the coach? Well, you run the old lob play. Uh-huh. So generally what they do is teams will put, like, their best passer in the in the inbound slot, and yep. then they'll put their, 
highest jumper, right? I mean, not always your center. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be whatever. If you Who have can Vin- high point it? Yeah, if you if you have Vince Carter in 2001, you're putting him on that. So mm-hmm. they set a back screen for Maxi. Schroeder is not being guarded closely by the inbound defender, which is a big pet peeve Unbelievable. of mine. Unbelievable. That's you, where you put your center. Yeah, you got to put the tall. You got to put Sean Bradley in yeah. front of Muggsy Bogues there. Absolutely. Uh, but Schroeder, credit to him, passes on point. Maxi goes up high, points it almost is able to dunk it, but wisely decides to lay it in instead. Uh, forces overtime, Germany goes on to win by like 14 in overtime, which and is And how crazy. about, you know, as you're breaking this down, I just remembered with Russ having a little procedure on his knee, Dennis Schroeder will be – now, I know Raymond Felton is still in Oklahoma City. He is, yeah, but uh, got, you have to give it to Schroeder, right? The starting I think spot. so. Yeah, so Russ I is – I think so. He's supposed to miss, I think, four weeks, and from the time that he underwent the surgery, four weeks is like – the day before opening night, right? So I doubt they roll him out opening. Maybe they do. Maybe. Maybe I mean, they do. Maybe it's maybe it's. He's a, Superman. He probably heals faster. He's probably already dunking. Yeah. I mean, let's let's be real. But uh, yeah. So he uh, Schroeder might start, and I believe the Mavs play the Thunder like the fifth or sixth game of the they year. They do very it's early. It's pretty early. Yeah. So uh, so we'll see. But Dennis Schroeder is. We talked about the. Uh, I forget what we called it, like the Chris Davis team or something. Dennis Schroeder is like the captain of the I have career nights every time I play the Mavs. Yeah, man. So maybe we should wish Russ well and hope he gets <laughs> back. Get Dennis uh, on the bench. Although, actually, you know, if Russ is healthy, then it's like they'll be playing against two Russell Westbrooks in the same game. So maybe Russ just, you know, take it take it easy, buddy. Yeah, do your thing. Take it easy. Uh, Skin, is there anything else that you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, man, just uh, make sure and catch us next week because after Media Day we'll have all kinds of good stuff. Yeah, so are, you're going to be at Media Day, right? I doing... will be at Media Day. I believe the Ben and Skin Show will broadcast from Media Day. Really? Yes. Okay. It is going to go and on like into the wee hours of the evening that night. It's it is, and let me just say, I'm not going to give it away, but you have to listen to the Ben and Skin Show on Friday. Because we have something spectacular planned from Media Day. Friday. Okay. Yes, oh, yeah. Cause, so you're, you're on at 3, right? We're on, on at 3. Okay. We're on 3 at, I think, 6.30. Maybe we go to 7 that day. But if you're a Mav fan, do not miss it. Okay. And I'll leave it at that. Do not miss it. You got me excited. I got a big smile on my It was suggested, right and it wasn't an idea that me and Ben suggested. The people involved suggested it, and it blew our minds. We're like, oh, we're going to media day. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely curious. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tune in for that. So, okay. So, Friday, media day, 3 to 6.30, Ben and Skin Show. <clears throat> Earlier in the day, we'll be doing a, a live stream on Mavs.com. I don't know what time it's going to start because I don't know what time media day is starting because it's different this year because of the whole China trip. I just said because like seven times in a row. Uh-huh. So clearly I'm in explainer mode right now. Right. Um, but our live stream will start at some point and it will end at some point, almost certainly before three. Uh, so you could seamlessly go from our live stream right to 105. There you go. And just tune in and make it Mavs all day. It's a great idea. And then. Eight days after that, it all begins. Well, actually, one day after that, training camp begins. So we'll be blowing up your uh, your uh, social this weekend with videos and images and, and uh, interviews from training camp. Because a week after training camp starts again, basketball starts September 29th. Boom, it's it is, on. It is here. It is here. And it all starts this Friday. So be there because we will be there literally from like – the time the sun comes up until the time the sun sets. It is going to be an after basketball on Friday, and uh, I cannot wait. Can't wait either, baby. It's that time. See you then. All right, yeah, we will see you this weekend, and we'll also be back next week. Numbers on the boards every Wednesday, starting soon. This might be out on Tuesday, but next week it'll <laughs> be there Wednesday from now on. So That's just, false advertising. Yeah, so just book your Wednesdays. We'll be with you, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Whoop, whoop.